Let's turn together to 1 Peter and chapter 3, and we can read at the beginning of the chapter. 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And so on down to verse number 7. As we continue to look at this section of this letter, uh, we are looking at it under the, the background of the way in which Peter has drawn their attention to who they are as the people of God uh, and seeking to uh, establish them in the faith by giving to them the kind of understanding uh, on which they can build knowing that their salvation is all from God and all because of the grace of God. And whatever we read about salvation and about the grace of God, the Bible calls us to live a life that corresponds and that reflects the grace of God in our hearts and in our lives. And from verse number 13 of the previous chapter, we have been looking at the whole idea of submission and the whole idea of having right relationships in every area of life. And submission is a really important thing. We noticed earlier the fifth commandment, honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives to you. We have seen that it's important to submit to the public authorities and to do so as those who fear God, understanding that there may be limits to that submission if the public authorities work and move beyond the word of God. We saw the way in which submission is important in the workplace. We understand roles and relationships, and we have a Christian duty to live out as the people of God in our workplaces. And we saw the way from verse 18 onwards at the end of the chapter, the way in which Jesus is not only the example to follow, but that his very work is the the wellspring of the kind of living that Peter calls his people to live. The beginning of this chapter, we come to the final section on submission. And we are coming to look at the place of marriage in the Christian's responsibility and also against the background and the perspective of God's salvation. And when we think about the culture in which the people to whom Peter was writing, which they lived, we do understand that there were particular problems in their homes because of faith and because of the culture. Because a wife was bound to follow only the religion of her husband. And so if the wife is converted, then all of a sudden there are tensions in the household, there are tensions in the family, and there is the possibility that if the wife remains loyal to her saviour, that family relationships will break down. And Peter wants to speak into that. I hardly need to say that in our own culture, that, that marriage is suffering in so many different ways, that it's no longer marriage between one man and one woman, that there is so much promiscuity in society and so much unfaithfulness, and consequently, a high divorce rate 
marriage is under threat in the culture in which Peter was writing, and it's very much under threat in the world and society in which we live ourselves. And so today, we want to think of the Christian and the marriage relationship. I want us to think, first of all, of the model of marriage itself. We must go back to the very beginning. Here, Peter is saying, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Where do we find the background to that? Where do we find the basis for for what Peter is saying? We have to go back to, to the very beginning of the Bible and to see the way in which God created man, male and female in the Garden of Eden. We have to see the way in which God made them male and female. In other words, man and woman are equal in the sight of God. A lesson important to hear in every generation, and especially for the people in the days of Peter, man and woman are created equal before God. Along with that, we we see that there is complementarity. In other words, the man and the woman, they have particular roles. And we see the way in which woman is made for man to be man's helper. And so we see that man and woman are, are equal in the image of God, in the sight of God, and in the purposes of God, they have a particular role. And in the purpose of God to, to fill the earth with their seed, with their children, in that purpose, they have distinct and separate roles. And the roles do not mean that they lose their equality in the sight of God. They fulfill their role in the sight of God to the glory of God, and they maintain their equality in the sight of God. And in that garden experience, there is that first marriage where, where the woman is presented to man and, and he says, this at last is bone of my bone, bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. And we see marriage through the lens of the purpose of God. It's not something that's thrown into the, to the frame for, for un, some unknown reason. God has a purpose and we see his purpose through the lens of marriage and through the roles and the responsibilities. And we have to recognize as we read through the Bible that that model of marriage that's given by God in the work of creation has been corrupted. We see in the history of the Bible itself that there is polygamy, multiple wives. We see that there is adultery and we see that there is divorce and Jesus himself says in the Gospel of Mark that divorce was introduced because of the hardness of heart. We see in the Bible that marriage has been corrupted. We see in the society in which Peter lived that marriage has been corrupted. That women are being oppressed. 
that their role and responsibility within the marriage is, is overshadowed by, by the culture, the way in which culture has influenced the marriage and the home. We see, as I said, in our own society, similar things happening. Marriage has been corrupted in some ways beyond recognition, away from what the Bible says. And when we look at God's purpose and look at what God is doing, we come to see marriage through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the God who says that he is the husband of his people, who has made a covenant with them, the God who has promised to come to save his people, is the God who has promised to be their husband. Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name in Isaiah chapter 54. Through the, the corruption of marriage, we begin to see the exalted state of marriage through the lens of the word of God, through the lens of the promises of God, and through the lens of the Son of God, who becomes the servant of God, who comes to redeem us. And we hear John telling the people who are complaining that so many people are beginning to follow Jesus. He tells the people, when the bridegroom has come, the one who has been sent to prepare the way for him, can only rejoice. I see the bridegroom, I see him in, in Nazareth. I see the bridegroom in his ministry. I see the bridegroom in performing miracles. I see the bridegroom in the garden of Gethsemane and he's coming to redeem humankind and he's coming to redeem marriage itself. And, and I see the bridegroom coming as the servant of the Father. He is the same, he is equal with him and to him. He is never less than God. But yet he comes, taking up this function and role as the servant of the Father, to die for the sins of the world, to bear our sins in his own body to the tree, as we saw at the end of chapter 2. To do so, to rescue and to recover. And now in the gospel, we have two things coming in view. That is, first of all, that equality is restored. Because of the work that Jesus has done in dying on the cross, he has made of two people one. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave or free, there is neither male or female. As the children of God, we are equal in the sight of God. And along with that, we see the rules and responsibilities. Not only do I see Jesus dying on the cross for my sins, but I also hear God saying, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. The marriage, the model of marriage, 
has been redeemed and rescued from the way in which we have corrupted it to show to us the way in which God now lines up his purpose through the person of his son and his saving work and through marriage. Which means that now the lens for us understanding marriage is the passion and work of the Lord Jesus. And we need to recapture that for ourselves. It might seem widely complicated, but in actual fact, it's simple because God wants to fill the world with those who are Christian children. And that's the purpose that he states in Genesis 1. Adam and Eve failed to fulfill that purpose. So he sent his son to be a husband to the church as his bride. And through that relationship, he's going to fill the world with the children of God. Isn't it marvelous? Today, that our marriages are not about ourselves. We come together in marriage. We devote ourselves to each other. But God reminds us that our marriage relationship is about him. It's about his purpose. And because of his purpose and because of his design, Marriage is to be lived out in a particular way. And so the first thing today to to carry with us is that marriage, your marriage and mine, is about what God is doing. And once we understand that, it will help us to understand our responsibilities to each other, our responsibilities to God, and our responsibilities to our children. The model of marriage. Secondly, I want us to see the mission that we see appearing in these verses. Likewise, your wives be subject to your own husbands. We saw at the very beginning in verse number 13 of the previous chapter that submission is about arranging yourselves in the right order and in the right place. Being willing to do so and submitting to that order because of the overall picture and of the overall design. So that in a military exercise, everyone who is involved in that exercise knows their role and their responsibility and they submit to that role and that responsibility. And here now, Peter and God is telling to us that, that wives are to be subject to their own husbands. They have to follow the example of the church in its relationship to Christ. But I want also to suggest that we are, the wife is to follow the example of the Son of God. 
the Son of God became the servant of God for the purpose and mission of God. He took that role. And in that role, he submitted to everything that the Father had given him to do. And we see the joy of the Son of God in doing that. We see the way in which God is pleased at the way in which the Son was doing that. He was fulfilling his function and submitting to the plan of God until its ultimate conclusion. And from there was glorified and honored because of it. And nobody wanting to see wives subject to your own husbands, in the words of Paul in Ephesians 5, as to the Lord and as the church submits to Christ. And what we see in that submission is two things. There is, first of all, the love that enables the submission. No wife is coming to submit to to her husband against her will. It's the love that she has for her husband in the same way as the love that the Christian has for their saviour. And so they, they, they give themselves lovingly and willingly to their husbands as to the Lord. And along with that, they're recognizing always the purpose and the plan of God. I delight to do your will, says the Son of God. And the church says the same to the Saviour, I delight to do your will, O my Saviour. There is that submission which recognizes a role and a responsibility in the very design of God. And so for, for you and for me and for, for those our wives, we have to see them in their marriages as those who in our real way represent to us a model of the way in which the Christian loves the Lord Jesus Christ. There is that submission in everything in accordance with the word of God. And so I see the, the Christian and the Christian church, I see, I see the church through the lens of marriage and in the role of the wife. And I see one thing informing the other, that when I see a wife who is living in her faithfulness to her husband, it reminds me of the way in which the church is faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it reminds me also that faithfulness is there because of the purpose of God and because of the love of God that that flows out in that purpose. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And it is there that we see the mission that we have in the words of Peter. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. He takes us right into culture right into a family home where the wife has been converted by the grace of God to faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, the husband who remains an unbeliever, her conversion causes conflict in the home. And we would immediately think that the right thing for her to do and what Peter would tell her to do is is to, to leave the family home 
and to move out of that context. And let's remember that the context is one where, where there is pressure to, to conform to, to the culture and to the society. Pressure to conform to the worship of the gods of her husband. But Peter is saying, no. The right thing for you to do is not to leave. It is to submit and to do so quietly and silently. To do so without a word. What's the point if we cannot say a word? We think we need words. We we think we need arguments. We think we need persuasive arguments. But Peter is saying, no. What you need is Christian conduct. What you need is what comes out from the hidden passion of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. How is the Christian wife today going to influence her unbelieving husband? The Christian wife will know that words so often will fail. And God is telling the Christian wife today that what fulfills God's mission, that that what gains the husband for the Lord Jesus is that living witness of a life that corresponds to the grace of God, a life that is lived in the fear of God, with a heartfelt love for God and a heartfelt double love for husband, the love of the marriage relationship and the love of God that is poured out in her heart. The mission, the silent witness, the powerful way in which the Christ in our hearts can have such an impact on our unbelieving partners on our unbelieving friends, on an unbelieving world. And when we think of the mission of this woman in her home, fighting the the strongest, the the fiercest of battles for, for the heart of her husband, because of the grace of God that comes through the gospel, that is counter to the culture in which she lives and there to have her and to know her fulfilling her role in God's purpose as the servant of Christ submitting to her husband and the holiness of life and the beauty of her inner passion shining out in that persuasive way that makes the gospel so attractive. The model of marriage, the mission, and finally the manifestation. It's interesting in passing that there is one verse spoken to husbands and six verses spoken to wives. It doesn't mean, of course, that that the husbands needed less of the teaching of God than the wives. But it's because of the context. 
in which the Christian wife is found. But we see the, the manifestation in, in, in the words addressed to the husband. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Live with your wives. Carry out life with your wives in an understanding way. Knowing what you should be doing. Knowing who you are. The understanding is the knowledge that the husband has of the very basis of grace and of salvation. We, we go back to chapter 1 and verse 18 and we read of the way in which knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways of the past with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. The understanding is the knowledge the husband has, the Christian husband has, of the redemption that we have in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Knowing that is living with the wife in an understanding way. And knowing that now is, is living life with his wife. Reflecting, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her and present her to himself, a glorious bride without spot and without blemish. Two shall become one flesh. It's, it's all in the revelation that, that we have in the cross of Jesus Christ. That here is the lens for the husband to, to, to have this understanding through which he's going to, to love his wife. Here is the standard. Here is the extravagance of the love of God and the immeasurably great love of Jesus Christ. Self-giving for his bride. Husband's Love your wives. And when we see the, the, the picture being completed like that, we have at the center of the marriage the manifestation of the relationship between Christ and the church. We have the manifestation of God's purpose that he has reconciled everything to himself through the passion of his son and so that no marriage is the means that he is using for the advancement of his kingdom and that the marriage that he is using for the extension of his kingdom is the marriage between Christ and the church. And that means that it's, it's an inspiration to us all that in Christian marriages we see an example of how a Christian should live through the wife. That in Christian marriages we should see an example of how great the love of Christ is through the life of the husband. And so we have the lens and we can look back through the, the, the Christian marriage and see the beauty of Christ in the church. And through that see the beauty of the loving heart of God. And there to, to find 
in our homes and in our families and in our communities, the marvellous way in which God is still working to rescue and to deliver. And Peter closes the section with, with a warning, showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel. And the, there is medical evidence, of course, that physically the woman is weaker than the man. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The husband can become an obstacle to blessing in the family home when the husband does not fulfill the example of Christ in loving his bride. And the image that Peter has here is is one of an army running away from its enemy. And in order to hinder the enemy, they, they cut across the road so that, that the enemy will, will, will have, at least have to slow down. And that's what, what happens in a, in a symbolic way when, when the husband does not love his wife and live with her in an understanding way. There is that cut across the channel through which the blessing of God comes into the family home. There is the equality, they are heirs of the grace of life together. But husbands, how great your responsibility that you could be a hindrance to the blessing of God on your family. And that the only way to ensure that is not the case is to look continually at the example of Jesus to be inspired by that, to live with your wives, loving them as he loved the church. And when loving husbands who are models of Christ's love for his church and loving wives who are models of the church's love for Christ, when these come together, there is not only behavior that corresponds to what the Christian should, should be, But there is also a marvellous display of the beauty of the grace and love of God and the beauty of his purpose and his design and that the day will come and that we can be inspired through marriage to, to think of the day in which the church will sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb and the bride, the people of God, will be presented there having made herself ready. And then we will see at last from the reception in the paradise of God we can then look back and see our world and its complications, see marriage in our world, look through that to the cross of Jesus and to the design of God. And everything will then make sense to us in all the brightness of the shining of God's glory when we are around his throne. May God help us together today to to be inspired by the marriage between Christ and his church, to be inspired to live our own lives 
in a way that corresponds to what God requires of us as husbands and wives and as the people of God and as those who are mindful of the furtherance of the gospel. And may God strengthen us every day to, to live like that with the promise of his blessing resting upon us and with the expectation that the day will come when we'll know his blessing in all its fullness and in complete perfection. May God bless his words. Let us pray. Most gracious God, help us to be humble before you. Help us to hear your voice speaking to us. Help us to see life through the lens of your word. Give to us a growing understanding, a growing interest, a growing desire for the things that belong to you and that belong to our salvation. And give to us grace every day to help us to overcome the obstacles and to help us so that we would not be an obstacle to others. Hear our prayer we ask and bless us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.